Well, I'm so glad to have Michael Dow with us to share on such an important topic. Him and I had dialogued over this a couple years ago, but we just really wanted to get a fresh take. And I wanted to even first off, make sure we even hit these. You, we'll put the links oh. to both the volumes, but we got, Michael has articulated some beautiful truths from the scripture, connecting them when it comes to fasting. And my wife and I are so thankful for his family. They have such a rich history with our body, really feel indebted to the consecration in their lives and all that they pioneer. But we're just grateful to have you to just be able to pour into our conversation and what we're going after. Man, I love you guys. And uh, it's a joy to be able to do this and to do it together. Yeah, so thank you, man. Absolutely. Well, we'll cut right to it, man. When it comes to fasting, it can be intimidating. It can be a lot, like even in today's context and culture, we, we kind of really don't hear about it as a regular thing. And sure. seeing your life and seeing your family's life and those that you run with, fasting is totally a part of the community and the way that you all go about things. and. I feel like in order to create the best conversation, could you just start us out with like clearly defining what fasting is so that way the conversation can just build upon that? Yeah, sure. I, I think defining the terms is important so that, like you said, in an ongoing way, as you're interacting with the word, you can interact with it correctly. Um, fasting by definition is abstaining from food or particular foods especially when experienced as a religious observance or unto a religious purpose. So at a, at a bare bones, ground zero, entry level type place, fasting is about food. Um, now I know usually there's much hostility <laughs> whenever you try to make it that clear cut, that simple. Uh, but in return for that, I would also suggest that fasting is a discipline, but not everything that is a discipline should be considered fasting. Mm. Fasting is a discipline, but not everything that is a discipline should be considered fasting. Because by definition, fasting is about food. But Mike, what about TV? What about social media? What about, you know, extracurricular activities? What about how I spend money? All of those things our disciplines, and we should be disciplined in the way that we engage those things in an ongoing way. However, though, TV is not fasting. You're not, you're not fasting TV. You get what I'm saying? You're not fasting Facebook. <laughs> you know, you're becoming more disciplined in your life with these things that are creating unhealthy or unnecessary distractions. But fasting, even by way of definition, simply like even Webster's de definition, is about food and there's a different cost when you associate it with food than there is these other things so just to start it off fasting is about food perfect so that that helps it was so it was so funny even this past week it was funny jackie she was like uh uh dom will give us some more information on the fast and then i got up and i said don't eat 
was like, <laughs> but uh, uh but obviously but obviously in our dialogue we'll we'll help a few people out that um desire to grow in fasting for now, sure yeah now when it comes to we're defining fasting the next question would be so so what would be the ultimate purpose of fasting and if that's too isolated the manifold purposes that we could kind of break down yeah i I mean it's a it's a really big question because there's much happening in the place of fasting um much happening uh, even at times beyond our immediate awareness or ability for comprehension uh right i'll just say some of the things that are happening not not exclusive to these things but for sure including these things uh for one is matthew 9 right in matthew 9 jesus is confronted by the disciples of john they say we've been watching you and your guys we fast and the pharisees fast but you don't talk to us about that there's a there's an indictment right they've evaluated his life and there's an indictment there's a charge or an accusation against him The, the question is posing tension and he says the bridegroom is with them so they have no need to fast but in the days that the bridegroom is taken up from them then those that belong to me, then my disciples, then those that follow me will be found fasting. So just in simplistic terms, there's something about absence that is supposed to become fuel in the place of fasting. So fasting is a posturing of our hearts and lives to awaken and increase a Maranatha type groan or cry. Right, we're familiar with Revelation 22, um, in the last days or in those days towards the end of the age, the spirit and the bride will say come. Fasting is one of the ways that we awaken our interest of sorts, if I can put it that way. It's the ache on the inside for his return, for his coming again. He says, when the bridegroom is taken from them, then those that belong to me will fast. So the connection here, is there something about his absence that is supposed to get traction in our interests and help us to posture our lives in the place of fasting? When the bridegroom is taken up, then they will fast. Meaning he's not here and we should not be okay. As good as things can be, as uh, whatever, material incentives, career objectives, popularity, influence, or what, what, whatever, you know what I'm saying? As great, quote unquote, great as the conditions of our lives that we might be able to work for or experience, the bridegroom is not here mm. and he longs to be. And there's something about fasting that is supposed to awaken an ache on the inside where all of these other uh, distractions and preoccupations, they get eclipsed with this Maranatha groan. A longing for the bridegroom, uh, an intense, acute awareness in our attention for the return of Jesus, where the bride begins to cry out for him, long for him, posture their lives to fast and pray to awaken this Maranatha ache. So, I mean, even if that were the only thing, <laughs> Bro, like if that were it, it, you know what I'm saying? Like anyone in the conversation that's like, ah, but you know, I need something a little bit more than that. You're like, what? You know, (laughs) 
So even if that were the only thing, um, you know, but there's a variety of things happening, man. Uh, you know, uh, bro, Galatians 5, we know the evidence of the work and the power of the spirit in a believer's life. We would consider this to be the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. Well, it lands on self-control. Um, you know, uh, as I've written, fasting in more times than not is about mastery and not just about avoidance. It's about bringing your life lovingly subject to the rule of Jesus, where, where self-control as an evidence of the spirit's work and power in the life of the believer, right? Self-control is something that is foreign in our modern day experience or, you know, just the, the general landscape of Christendom. You know, we, we have certain allowances and exemptions for loose living, you know, lack of conviction in certain area, whatever. But self-control is one of the evidences of the spirit's work. Mm -hmm. And so in the place of fasting, in a culture, especially in the West, that is always raging, you should be able to do whatever you want in relationship to you. Self-denial as the doorway to discipleship. Yes. Telling yourself no on the most basic or fundamental level, man shall not live by bread alone. Turning from meals and turning to Jesus, denying the raging of those fleshly appetites and cravings and learning how to make yourself more subject to the leadership of the spirit, to the loving rule of Jesus. Um, bro, reaps benefits and rewards and harvest in unimaginable ways. Um, the, the category of food is something that God uses in order to evaluate other areas and interests of our own lives, hmm. um, which is why fasting is not just about your appetite, it's also about your attention and your affection. Um, so, I mean, bro, there's so much happening in the place of fasting. I, I mean, that it would be, it would be really hard to try and like quantify of sorts, but there are for sure things that we can list and mention. Um, and I think that those are some great ones, right? Learning more self-denial, self-control, becoming subject to the leadership of the spirit and the rule of Jesus, having my appetites vetted. Where, where I become aware to the allegiances that have formed over time, even in relationship to food, um, right? There's a reason that stressed spelled backwards is desserts. <laughs> there's, there's a reason, you, you know, like there's a reason. Uh, there's a reason that carb addiction is becoming an actual thing. Uh, and, and I mean, I mean, an actual medical thing, you know, uh, a real medical category. Um, you know, oftentimes we're not aware of the hormonal connections and the different ways that we are actually on a hormonal level connected to food based off of oxytocin and dopamine and uh, other things that are experienced whenever we're consuming certain foods. There's just a whole lot happening, I'll say. Um, and so those are just just a handful of things, you know, that, that we can for sure reference. <laughs> Well, when you even said it yourself, the just the bridegroom affection alone, if that doesn't if that doesn't Ooh. crown you, if that doesn't provoke you 
to say, I got to at least dip my feet in this more. Like I got to at least just want to humbly say that seeing your life um, and seeing the people you run with fast the way that you do, that made it desirable more for me because I, I see mm. I see your love for I see your love for him. I see the the fruit of the spirit in your life. I see the and it's like wow. Um, and I, I really believe that that's the same thing with Christ. That that when we see that pattern of self denial, it there's there's something about it that it's not just like that. Yes, it's it's difficult for the flesh. There's no lie about that. But it's just there's something the reward just far exceeds the price. It's just like. So I, I just wanted to just bring that up that just hearing those those precious truths, because I'm I'm with you. Like all throughout my life, I feel like I always needed incentives to do things. And 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 the more you read the scripture, you you get excited about an opportunity to put the flesh under. And that's why I, I, I love I love conversations like this. So um we could go so deep with some of the impact and all the spiritual significance. And I want to continue to do that. But when it just comes to practical measures, so there's a lot of people that ask like, what types of fast could I do? What even simple things like, can I, can I, can I do caffeine while I'm doing water fasting or what, what's permitted? What's allowed? What are the different types? I know you, uh, you could probably bring some context to that. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, just just with a scriptural evaluation, we see a variety of kinds of fast or styles of fast. Um, right now, traditionally, there's going to be your all water fast. Um, all water fast is just like it sounds. It's all water, uh, right? <laughs> like that, that's not to offend anyone's intelligence. That's just to say like. <laughs> It, it a water fast is just like it sounds. It's a water fast. It's all water. Um, and there's a variety of places, right, where that's our assumption. And at times it's the evidence of what actually took place. And I only say assumption because you have Moses in uh, Exodus 24 and 34, two different 40 day stints on the top of the mount. You know, you have Elijah who gets up and runs. Uh, you have the idea of John the Baptist in Matthew 11, where Jesus says John came with fasting and praying. Uh, you have Jesus in the wilderness, 40 days. Um, you know, so there's there's a variety of people and stories that testify to the reality of fasting. So all water fast. Um, you have an absolute fast, which would be as uh, Esther. Esther is fasting. She says three days in Esther four. She tells Mordecai, you and your team don't eat or drink for three days. We will do the same. And then I will go in to speak with the king. Mm. So an absolute fast, which is typically referenced as an Esther fast, is no eating or drinking. And historically, like that three day mark is like that's that's where it's at. You know, because the body enters into very real difficulty um, and there's serious health challenges beyond three days with no water. Um, So three days being historically, traditionally, what's the limit? So all water, an absolute fast. You have Daniel. I mean, Daniel is found fasting in the book of Daniel, which is typically where we get the name Daniel fast because it's Daniel that we're observing. Um, I know we usually land in chapter 10. I would say that's because it's the easiest of the options that are found in the book of Daniel. Uh, What I mean by that is chapter 10 is I, Daniel, 
was mourning and fasting for 21 days or for three weeks time, right? No meats, no sweets. Uh, often people, depending on the translation, interpret that to mean no carbs. Um, one translation even says no lotion, you know, so it's like, okay, but chapter one, you know, in chapter one, verse eight, he says, I resolved not to defile myself with the delicacies on the king's table. Verse 12, we find that they do 10 days vegetables and water, which Aspenaz, who was overseeing their training. Uh, now we understand that they were in training, Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they were going to enter into the king's service in a full-time way. So there was a schooling or a training period that they were involved in. Uh, that detail actually matters because in Daniel 1.12, it says that they did 10 days, vegetables and water. Asphanaz evaluated them, right? You remember at first, he didn't want to let them do it. He said, I'm going to lose my head for this. I'm responsible for you. You're going to shrivel up. You're not going to be of any good. He lets them do it. After 10 days, he evaluates them. And then it says he lets them continue on. Well, when you continue on, you realize that their schooling period was three years. Three years of training, and then they entered into the king's service full time. So the implication there is they didn't do just 10 days vegetables and water. They did the three-year period vegetables and water. And then you see the consequence of such in 1718. Daniel and his three friends, God imparts to them wisdom, insight, learning, and understanding. And unto Daniel is given the ability to interpret dreams and visions of all kinds. So Daniel 1, three years, vegetables and water. Daniel 10, 21 days, no meats, sweets, carbs, you know, whatever. But then in Daniel 9, when Daniel is reading the word of the Lord, prophesied through Jeremiah, he says, I turn to the Lord in fasting, praying, intercession on behalf of the people. But it doesn't say what he did. Now, I love this um, because often we land in the Daniel 10. And I get it. I, I, I'm, I'm not against that is what i'm saying but daniel fasting traditionally for everyone that is familiar with it lands in daniel 10. three weeks or 21 days you know no meats uh no sweets you know at times no carbs um you know sometimes just fruits and vegetables nuts and seeds uh, I, I get it there's a variety of ways to go about a daniel but in daniel 9 we don't get a particular style there's no systematic approach Meaning like, well, we're just going to do what we've always done. Daniel just responds to the Lord and out of sensitivity, we don't really know exactly what he did. Um, you know, I know that some theologians wrestle. They believe it was a 40 day. Um, OK, I'm not for or against that. All I'm saying is, is we don't have evidence there of what he actually did. So you have a water fast, you have an absolute fast, you have a Daniel fast. Um, you know, then there's a liquid fast, which would imply liquids of a variety of sorts, uh, whether that's going to be water, coffee, tea, juice, clear broth, um, smoothies, you know, other protein drinks, um, just all sorts of liquids. Now, now funny enough, th th this is just a side comment and then I'll continue on. Funny enough, uh, when you tell people all sorts of liquids, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Inevitably, people are creative in their moment of need. It, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> uh, in, a, in a moment of pressure or need or, you know, pain and hunger, the creativity of humanity begins to rise. 
Um, right, I, I, bro. People are like, "Hey, a milkshake is a liquid." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, other people are like, "Man, anything that you can make liquid." Put it in a blender. And I'm like, bro, I know people that have put a steak and a baked potato in the blender out of their their weariness and desperation in the place of a fast. Like, bro, you said liquid. I'm like, okay, granted, fair enough. I, I said liquid. Um, so, I mean, you have liquids, right? As funny as that is, liquids, again, water, coffee, tea, uh, you know, clear broths, juices, uh, juicing. Right. So, right. Like regular fruit juice, whatever kind of juice or actual juicing and then smoothies. Uh, right. Um, and then you have sun up to sundown, which we would probably be most familiar with um, out of uh, Islam. Right. And Ramadan and sun up to sundown fasting for a period of 40 days. But sun up to sundown, meaning you're just going to eat dinner every night. Um, sun up to sundown. That, that, that's at least the expectation. Right. Is we're just going to eat dinner every day. We're going to fast breakfast and lunch and snacks throughout the day. And we're just going to land on an evening meal, um, you know, to close out the day. So again, uh, absolute water, liquids, sun up to sundown and Daniel. So just in practicality sake, those are the different kind of, you know, little trenches of fasting. If you were going to jump into it, um, that we could find application for us. That's beautiful. A personal question, which one do you tend to lean the most towards, or would you say that it's been pretty, pretty varied? Um, so it's not pretty, so my experience has been very varied, um, has absolutely been varied. Do I have a preference? I for sure have a preference. Uh, I am a terrible Daniel fasting person. <laughs> um, terrible, like just because I can eat all the stuff that I usually don't really care about anyways. Like, man, I'm cool with vegetables, but vegetables are what you eat with meat. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't go to restaurants like dreaming of mushrooms and Brussels sprouts. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, bro, bro, I'm fine with broccoli if I can eat it with a steak. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, like, I'm, I don't like go to restaurants. <laughs> yeah, like trying to order a salad. You know, my wife is always like, what, why do, what's your thing with salad? I'm like, babe, I'm not paying somebody for lettuce. You know what I mean? Like it's lettuce. Like I'm fine with lettuce. If you lay a rack of ribs on it or something, you know, um, this is the food. So, my food eats. Yeah, you know, I mean, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not the guy that's like super excited about Daniel fasting. Although, uh, I have done what I would consider to be, uh, and this word may mean different things to different people. I've done a tremendous amount of Daniel fasting in my history and recognize and have apprehended uh, a host of reward in the place of Daniel fasting. Uh, for me, liquids is kind of like my lane. Um, that's just because, man, we can jump into a liquid. We get beyond kind of like the detox period. We get beyond what is the, the difficulty of the first couple of days or even first week. You know, we break into what is like the sweet spot and bro, we're just going to roll. I don't got to worry about trying to figure out what I can eat, what I can't eat, man. If we go here, what am I going to do if we're hosting people or like being hosted? And now I'm, you know, the guy that's like, oh, they got to come up with something to try to, you know, feed. It's like, no, no, no. So typically my, my sweet spot has been liquids, um, done a bunch of water fasting, done sun up to sundown fasting, 
Uh, I remember the first time the Lord spoke to me about a sun up to sundown fast. I, I was kind of offended because I was like, man, like if we're going to fast, like let's fast. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. what do you mean? Like we're just going to skip breakfast and lunch and whoa. And then I got into it and realized very quickly, <laughs> oh, this is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Um, if anybody's seen the movie Groundhog Day, right? It's almost like you get up every day and you're starting over again. Because <laughs> you can eat in the evening, so it's deceiving, right? It, you, you battle through all of what is the day one experience for the whole day, and then you eat in the evening. And so it's like Groundhog's Day. You get up the next day and you do it all over again. You get up the next day and you do it all over again. Um, so for me personally, uh, I, you know, my bend is more towards uh, liquid fasting. Although um, I try to pray about it every time. I try to ask the Lord if there's a particular style that he's either leading. And if I can sense God's leadership in any direction, then I'm always going to go with that. You know, I'm not just kind of like, hey, this is what I do. This is what's most comfortable for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, ah, oh, you know, like I, I just, I try to, you know, historically I've always just done it a certain way. And so I'm not really open to other, no, no, no. I try to pray about it each time. I really want to sense like a leading from the Lord. Um, and if I'm not able to become aware of God leading in any particular way, then I honestly, in the place of prayer, just try to find a restful confidence in a style of fast that you know i feel like i'm supposed to to kind of give myself to for whatever time period i really appreciate that answer no that's amazing <laughs> uh so this is a, a i we also inquired from our body of a few mm -hmm. questions to kind of bring to the table so i was going to formulate a few of those sure so one of them was uh before fasting I guess would be the best way to frame this question before fasting. What are some passages of scripture, which I know there's probably a myriad, but what are some passages of scripture that could awaken this conviction more in the heart ahead of a fast? Yeah, for sure. So, so Matthew nine is a big one, uh, right? So we already referenced Matthew nine, yeah. right? bridal posture, Maranatha cry, the absence of Jesus creating a motivation uh, in my affections and in my attention and in my appetite. Um, I would connect that to Revelation 22. Um, you know, Matthew 6 is always great. I mean, Matthew 5, 6 and 7 is amazing, but Matthew 6 is amazing. I think it's 16, 17, 18. Uh, Matthew 6, 16 is when Jesus says, when you fast, fast like this. So again, there explicitly Jesus says when and not if. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big one. Like that's a big yeah. one in the conversation. He says when you do it. So the idea there is as a follower of Jesus, it is understood that according to Jesus, this is going to be a part of your way of life. Mm -hmm. um, now, granted, we're not in competition. We're not comparing our lives, you know, comparatively to what others are doing. But as for me in my house, Joshua 24, like, as a follower of Jesus, it is implied that fasting is going to be when, when you do. It is going to be a part of my lifestyle. So Matthew 6 is another big one. Um, for me, I would even look towards Galatians 5, right? The fruit of the Spirit, the evidence 
of maturity in being conformed to the likeness of Jesus, which is what the fruit of the spirit is actually creating a reference point for, right? It's the evidence of the spirit's power transforming the human experience, wow. making them more like Jesus. And That's this is so now good. what it looks like, right? When the spirit is accomplishing that agenda in you, love, joy, peace, patience. That's what it looks like. Um, you know, th then there's, there's other references, right? I mean, uh, again, Exodus 24, 34, Moses's experiences with God in the place of fasting, right? Moses comes back from the Mount and his face is literally on fire, right? <laughs> it's glowing, right? But the beauty there is he doesn't realize it and other people have to tell him. Uh, so we're not always aware yeah. of what's happening to us in the place of fasting and the consequences that are getting created in our own lives, right? Sometimes it takes the witness of others towards us to reveal to us and to testify or yeah. to declare you're actually changing. Things about you are transforming. Your face is glowing. His countenance is bright upon you. Um, you know, so that, I mean, that's beautiful. Yeah. You have Jesus in Matthew 4, who is in the wilderness for 40 days. There's the confrontation, you know, with the adversary or the enemy himself. Um, you know, man, there's, there's a lot of different places that you could go in referencing, you know, fasting. But those would be just some of my, like, some of my, like, immediate, you know, go-tos. Um, yeah, I, I mean, and then as the spirit gives insight, j just to, you know, continue with any other space. No, that's perfect. And just even having those scriptures alone, I think it's just so, it's just so important that I think that you would even agree with this, that just, just getting in the scriptures and asking the Lord to reveal, just mm. create the longing. Like sometimes like the, the actual context is so beautiful, finding the scriptures, particularly on fasting. But yeah, when we, when we're studying scriptures and looking at Jesus, we're going to be invited into this more and more and sometimes we can even complicate it a little bit and just uh taking that so no that's so beautiful even getting those reference points could i could i say something just yeah, yes. because of what you just said and i know that it's something that you and i have talked about even previously um you said right like apprehending a biblical vision so when the lord invites us so i know that there's probably going to be people who hear that type of language and ask themselves like, well, what does it mean mm, to have the yeah. Lord invite me into a fast? Well, j just beyond the basic explicit language that we already have, right? Matthew six, when you do it, Matthew nine, when the bridegroom is taken up, then they that belong to me will be found fasting. So excluded from, from those two places, um, you can actually get motivated into a fast in a variety of ways, mm. um, in a variety of ways. Right. So one is discipline. Two can be desire. Three can be design and four can be, you know, what I've called despair. Um, discipline is Psalm 35, 13. David says, I humbled my soul with fasting. Just meaning that there was no prophetic word. There was no corporate call, you, you know, meaning like, well, we together as a body, you're going to do this. There was a simple evaluation of what my life looks like and how I can consistently as a way of life, give myself 
to the lifestyle practice of fasting. That might mean I'm just going to look at my calendar and I'm just going to say, hey, listen, um, every Monday I can skip breakfast and fast and pray. Um, hey, listen, every Wednesday I can do sun up to sundown. Hey, every Friday, Saturday, uh, I can do a Daniel, y you know, whatever. Um, hey, uh, it, it could be that basic. It could be that simple. Hello. I don't need a Gideon fleece. I don't need like a prophet to lay hands on me in like a, a prayer line or in a fire tunnel where somebody gives me the style of the fast and the dates. It's like, no, no, I can just as a mature person who wants to grow in God, I can look at my own life and I can say, what can I do on a consistent basis? It can be by discipline. And David says that in Psalm 35, 13. It can be by desire, right? We have Hebrews eleven six. God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And we all realize that we want to live consistently with a certain measure of hunger, right? Like we, we would all at least, I, I hope to God, we would all at least say, man, I want to live with hunger for the Lord. I, I want to be a hungry person pertaining to the things of God. But then there are moments of unusual hunger where zeal or passion or some sort of stir or swirl hits our hearts in whatever way, right? Sometimes um, like an inconvenience of circumstance can do that. Other times God can awaken us at times just in our own journey where we experience a season of refreshing or like personal revival. And you just say to yourself, I have to do something to go after God in a way that is abnormal, in a way that is greater than just the way that my life has been conditioned up until this point. I've got to do something, right? I, I feel a tug on my own heart. I've got to go after the Lord in a greater way. Okay, great. I would call that desire. And in the place of desire, Hebrews eleven six says he's the rewarder of those that diligently seek him or pursue him. And so in that, you could just say, man, I'm just going to do something. I'm just going to pray about it, and I'm just going to respond to the abnormal hunger that is being stirred or being awakened in my own heart or in my own journey, in my experience. And I'm just going to do something. Man, I'm just going to start fasting. I'm just going to do a seven-day. I'm going to do a three-day. Man, you know what? I'm going after God. I'm going to do 21 days. You could do it by desire, right? So you could do it by discipline as an ongoing way of life. You can do it by desire in unusual moments of awakening or stirring or hunger. Uh, you can do it by design. Psalm 16, seven, David says, I praise you, O Lord, for you bring me counsel in the night. You're the one that reveals to me instructions as to the way that I should take. Um, often there are experiences that we completely dismiss because we don't discern them the way that God intends for us to. And so we dismiss because we don't discern. Uh, what do I mean by that? Uh, right, like I've shared with you, uh, we, we'll be riding in the car, right? Uh, this has happened to me often, right? I'm riding in the car and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm not doing anything that I would consider to be super spiritual, right? I'm not worshiping. I don't have worship music on. I'm not praying. I'm not praying in tongues. I'm not like thinking about you know, certain things. I'm actually distracted. I'm preoccupied. And all of a sudden, a thought, like a little whisper from the inside begins to rise. And it's like, hey, do a 21-day fast. Do the 1st of November to the 21st. 
do sun up to sundown. And I'm like, what? Like, where did that even come from? Right now, now we realize that often when we say I heard from the Lord, some of the time what we mean by that is the initiation or the awareness of a thought or thought process mm -hmm. that did not originate with me. Right. I wasn't sitting around trying to think something up, trying to conjure up something. It wasn't like my preoccupation. All of a sudden, a thought or a thought process entered into the space of my awareness, right? Like I'm at the altar, man, I'm weeping before the Lord. I'm like, God, I, I'll do anything, man. I just gotta have more of you. And all of a sudden the Lord's like, you know what? Don't do sweets for the month of February. And you're like, what? Like, where did that even come from? You know, often we dismiss that. And because we dismiss it, we don't make the necessary connection to God's design and a particular invitation to posture our lives in an experience of fasting that way, right? Oftentimes we're like, man, there's no way that that could be the Lord. And we dismiss it because we're not necessarily conditioned to discern God's intentions in those types of ways. But if we would be, I think that it would be so much simpler how often God is actually speaking this way revealing things to us, uh, meaning like his interests and invitations to posture our lives in a fasted effort. Man, it could come through a dream. It could come through all different types of ways, but by design, where we become acutely aware of God's speaking or leadership for us to posture our lives in the place of fasting. Um, and then you have what I would consider to be despair, which is Psalm 69. Right, Psalm 69, 9 and 10, David says, your burden has become my burden. Mm -hmm. He says, your reproach has become my reproach. He says, zeal for your house has consumed me. And he says, I was filled with so much sorrow or I was so burdened by what is on your heart that you revealed to me that I postured myself with sackcloth, ash, fasting and prayer. So it's like sometimes just at the awareness of God's heart, God's desires, the word of the Lord in a particular way, as we make the connection even to Daniel 9, a response to the word of the Lord prophesied through Jeremiah and a recognition that we were in a now moment. Daniel postured himself in fasting and intercession. Well, Psalm 69, man, you revealed your heart to me in such an overwhelming way that I wanted to want what I now knew you wanted. And so my response to the unveiling of your heart to me was to enter into fasting and intercession so that you could do in me what needed to be done in me that I might bear your heart or the word of the Lord the way that you desire for me to, right? He says, your reproach has become my reproach. Not just an acknowledgement, of what God is after, but a practical way to posture your life so that you can just not be a recipient of sorts of like, well, I acknowledge this is what God is saying. No, no, no. It's a way to posture your life so that that personal sense of ownership, like David says, zeal for your house has consumed me.
right? So Psalm 69, 9 and 10. So for me, th those are four different ways. Uh, again, not exclusive, but absolutely including these four ways that you could either invite yourself into a fast or feel invited from the Lord. And so when you use that language, uh, again, just because I, I love the way you said it, and I know that often in my own journey, I've had people who have had real difficulty in connecting, like, what do you mean God inviting me or the invitation to fast? And so again, discipline, Psalm 35, 13, desire, Hebrews 11, 6. Um, uh, what, what did I say? Um, discipline, desire. Design. Design, which is Psalm 16, 7. My mind just completely went blank. No, it's okay. Uh, and then uh, despair. despair, Psalm 69, 9 and 10. So those are even some other scriptures, you know, when you were asking for scriptural reference points for fasting and, you know, just to continue to access a biblical vision in the place of fasting. That's a wonderful breakdown. No, it's so, and it's so helpful. I, the one word that just is blasting me right now is just response. Like, I think that, I think it's just so, there's so many times in our walk with the Lord that we hear theology, we hear doctrine, we hear messages yeah. and we hear how much he loves us. But sometimes we, in our frail humanity, we, we want to respond in love and fasting is a response like, and done with the right posture of heart, giving attention. I, that's just like, uh, it's just doing something to me right now. <laughs> just, <laughs> just that simple word. Uh. Um, but uh, no, you're this, absolutely right, man. I hope you enjoyed part one of that interview with Michael Dow regarding fasting. I wanted to give a plug once again to these glorious resources that have been such a blessing to my personal library. Michael Dow's book, volume one on fasting and volume two. You want to get your hands on them. I put the links in the description below. Don't waste any more time. Go out and grab them. They will be such an enrichment to your life and a supplemental resource regarding fasting. Make sure you watch part two of this interview to increase our appetite and desire to fast unto the Lord. We love you all.